Hey guys, this is Chris and Megan from Tap the Craft. I'm excited to tell you about a new company that we've partnered with called Hopcloth. Hopcloth is based in Tampa, Florida, and they produce some of the best craft beer apparel around. They have great designs such as the Drink Beer From Here series, supporting all 50 U.S. states, as well as other great designs to show that craft beer is not alcoholism, it's a hobby. There are tees, tanks, and hoodies for men, women, and your newborn future beer lovers. We personally own a handful of their shirts, and we can attest they're super soft and comfortable. You can find their website at www.hopcloth.com or check out our Facebook page for links. What community sounds like? Stay open. You gotta keep them separated. Hello, craft beer friends, and welcome to another episode of Tap the Craft Podcast. My name is Denny Luce, and I'm coming to you from the Boise, Idaho area, and my partner in craft in Ohio, Columbus-type area, is John Ream. And John, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing all right. I'm getting a bright and early beer with my buddy. <laughs> That's right. So. That's right. We, uh, yeah, we had to kind of change things up, a little bit hectic with some... Uh, some activities over the 4th of July weekend, and we are actually recording early in the morning for me at, well, not too early, it's 10.30, and uh, we're already drinking beer, and I think that is pretty fun to drink beer for breakfast. All right, and in case you're new to the show, Tap the Craft Podcast is an educational podcast where we focus around celebrating all things craft beer. We want to help you along in your craft beer journey. And you are listening to episode 77, and we are recording on Monday, July 3rd, 2017, early in the morning. And in this episode, we will discuss draft line cleaning. Yes, keep those draft lines clean to have great quality beer. You don't want to have skunky, nasty, dirty beer. Also, we are going to discuss the new independent beer seal coming out of the Brewers Association. So just released last week. And we'll talk about my road trip to the Portland Craft Beer Festival. And, of course, we will announce the winner of our contest that we provided you guys in the last episode. As well as John and I, I'm sure, is going to have some great beer conversation along the way. But before we get into all that great content, John... Um, you know, it is early in the morning, but I'm sure you've got something tasty in your glass. I do, and I am drinking uh, Three Floyds Brewing uh, Space Station Middle Finger. Whoa! <laughs> um, which uh, is a very aggressive name for a pale ale. So um, you'd think it's going to be different, but it's uh, it's a nice drinking pale. Um, it's got a little bit of tropical little citrus going on. I'm, I'm enjoying it so far. Mm. So... And it's fresh. It bottled uh, two weeks ago. Nice. So, so what yeah. are they? What are they giving the middle finger to? Uh, let's see. Well, it says from the dawn of time, humans have looked to the sky for answers. Space station middle finger replies to all from its eternal orbit. Behold <laughs> and enjoy this bright golden American pale ale. Okay. So uh, <laughs> there you go. Well, it's unique. I have to give it that. It is. <laughs> But, uh, 
yeah, I'm enjoying this. And I know folks tend to look for three Floyds and I probably don't need to tell you to pick it up if you, if you find it. So for sure, for sure. Well, how about you? What are you, what are you drinking this early in the morning? You lush? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not drinking lush. That would be great if I had some <laughs> Fremont lush IPA. I can't wait for it to get back in the area, which I'm hoping is any day now so I can enjoy it during the summer. But no, I'm not drinking lush, but I am a lush. Um, I'm going back to Full Sail, Full Sail Brewing. I mean, it's, it's a, they make some great beer and they make some great drinkable beer. And on a hot Monday morning, you need something that just refreshes you. And I'm drinking a Mexican lager. This is called the Full Sail Session Cerveza Mexican log, style lager. And I'll tell you what, this is a fantastic lager. Just really nice. Uh, you know, bready cereal malt uh, character in it. Uh, not too much of that corny. You know, sometimes these uh, Mexican lagers can have a little bit too much corn flavor in it. Not not corny, just really good malty, light, you know, light cereal type malt uh, character. I really like it a lot. And I recommend that anyone that can get this sampler pack or the six pack of it, grab it. Uh, it's great for summertime drinking. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I've been paying attention to see if I have the full sale session stuff here. Mm-hmm. I haven't been looking for it, but I don't know. I'll have to see if it's around here. Yeah, it should be. I mean, it's they they do have their beer in a lot of areas, so I wouldn't be surprised if you had it right close by. Especially since Columbus is a college town, and college kids like you know to get. Uh, cheaper beer and this full sale stuff usually comes in a little bit cheaper than the other 12 packs so i would say that they would really enjoy having some cheap beers that are good yeah okay john so um it's been a couple weeks since we recorded have you done anything fun last time you kind of uh wimped out on us you didn't really do much but did you make up for it this time uh i think so yeah um, so Chris and I celebrated our eighth anniversary. Nice. And, uh, in doing so, we, we took a, a little overnight away from the kids, um, went down to, to Marietta, Ohio. Oh yeah. And, and on our way, uh, we were like, we're going to go, we're going to stop in Athens on the drive down. It adds a little bit of time, but, uh, you know, there's some good beer on there. Jackie O's is there. Oh. Uh, Little Fish Brewing is there. Uh, they're a new, um, New brewery popped up, uh, I think, last year. They're doing really good stuff. Um, so we're going to go hit Athens, do some lunch uh, at the brew pub there, Jackie O's, hang out, and eventually make our way down to Marietta and uh, check out the river and, and everything down there. We arrive in Athens, and there's no power. Um, oh, no. There was a storm <laughs> the night before, and nothing is open because uh, oh. everything is, is out of power. Um, so we just kind of walk around the town. It's a really nice town. Uh, it's, uh, nice, uh, University of Ohio is there or Ohio university is there. And, uh, it's a nice little area and, uh, walking around, not knowing what to do. And we see, Oh, there's another little brewery outside of town, um, that is advertising their, uh, second anniversary and uh, solar panel party. Oh, and they're gonna have food trucks and stuff, and so we're like, "Oh, and great! Solar, Let's head over there." Solar panels, solar panels. We'll eat. They're gonna have power, <laughs> and uh, you know, maybe things, other things will come up while we're over there, and uh, we can keep going. So we head out there uh, to 
uh, Devil's Kettle uh, Brewing, and there's nobody there. Uh, they were just opening, and the food didn't start till four, and it's noon. Oh wow! <laughs> and we are so hungry. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, they were they were real nice in there. We we got a flight, a little bag of chips, and talked to the owner for a little while, and had some nice beers, and uh, just chatted, and. Um, then they uh, tipped us off that uh, the Jackie O's um, tap room and brewery location is outside of town and they should have power based on what they've been hearing. Um, and they do have food there. So like, Oh, great. So we went over to the Jackie O's brewery and tap room and lo and behold, they had food we could mm. eat mm. all was saved. Um, so we got a couple nice sandwiches, got a, a nice flight of beers um, and uh, had some of their, um, barrel age stuff their uh their bigger stuff which was really nice um i'll talk about one of them in a little in a little bit um but uh it was nice to finally kind of get what we were looking for um once we got out there and it's nice it's a nice space uh they folks were real nice there and uh yeah great great beer selection Mm -hmm. um and they i think the the brewery tap room location features more of the um, barrel aged type things that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, and the brew pub has more of the standards and seasonals, but not as much of the other year round, at least. Um, at least that was the vibe I was getting. Um, I don't know because I couldn't go to the brew pub. It was closed. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, so we had some nice beers there. We enjoyed that. Uh, Went went down to Marietta, hit up Marietta Brewing Company for some drinks. Uh, had a good time there. Had some good food as well. Um, and then the next day, we went back to Athens uh, to check out Little Fish. And I really, really enjoyed Little Fish. Oh, nice. Um, they had a great outdoor spot. The um, uh, weather was cooperating. It was a little cooler than the day before, so it was perfect just to sit outside. Um, and... Every one of those beers was fantastic. Uh, they uh, they kind of feature um, some saisons and uh, little uh, more wild stuff um, at their brewery. And their like flagship saison was really nice. Um, we had like a passion fruit uh, sour thing that was really nice. Um, and then they had some IPAs that were good as well. Uh, so. Um, but really enjoyed that stop. And I, I would say if you, if you head to Athens, you know, everybody should go to Jackie O's and everybody knows you should go there, but definitely make time to head out to little fish. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a really cool, really cool space. So we really enjoyed that one. Yeah. That but, sounds, uh, it sounds like a great trip. Now, Marietta, you guys, I mean, is that a actual, like, you know, a travel location that people like to go to, or is is it something special between you and Kristen that you like that area? Um, no, uh, not not anything special uh, for us or any like special meaning for us. Uh, it was just uh, something that we could afford that weekend because all the places we wanted to go were like really booked up and really oh, okay. expensive. Okay. Um, and. Uh, so there's just a whole bunch of events going on in other places the week before the fourth, I guess. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, just thought we could put it together, and it was really nice. Um, they've got a nice uh, bike path along the Ohio there that we walked like in and out of town from our hotel. Um, 
along the river, which was really cool. So, um, yeah, I enjoyed it. Well, good. I I actually have visited Marietta back in 89, 1989. I visited there. Now, uh, this is before I think they had any craft beer, and this is really before I was heavily into craft beer. Uh, We actually uh, had a bonfire on the riverfront drinking Bush Light. Or no, Milwaukee's Best Light. That's what it was. No, was it Bush Light or Milwaukee's? I think it was a Beast Light. Uh, And it was, (laughs) let me just say, it was not a memorable uh, evening because I don't remember any of it. Because, (laughs) yeah, we got pretty much (laughs) ripped and then that's all I remember. But, hey, I I love the area. It's a beautiful town. The river was nice, and we had a great, great time with with uh, my friend's friends. I met a bunch of his friends. We we traveled from Virginia Beach to Marietta for just a long weekend. I think it was the I want to say it was the Labor Day weekend of '89, or maybe it was Veterans Day. I can't remember now. But yeah, it was a great it was a great time. Long weekend and long trip, though. It's a long drive, but. I need to make it back there. Now there's craft beer. I got to go try. Yeah. Yeah. There's a bunch of stuff in the area. So definitely, definitely a good, good spot. Good. So I know anybody that's paid attention untapped knows that you did something this weekend. (laughs) I Um, I did. (laughs) So why don't you tell us about, about what you did? Okay. Okay. So, um, my buddy, Alex, uh, and again, I've talked about Alex all the time because he's my friend from Israel that relocated here a year ago, and we, are, you know, we're beer drinking buddies and we're friends, and we like to do you know things together. And he said, "Hey, I want to go to the Portland Craft Beer Festival this year." I said, "Okay, let's do it." And uh, so we planned it. We've been planning this thing for a couple months, and uh, we left on Thursday afternoon, actually like right around noon. Um, we took uh, my wife, him, and our friend Nikki, and we all grabbed, you know, jumped in our car, and we started on our road trip. Now it's about 450 mile drive from uh, Boise to Portland, so it's a good, uh, you know, if you drove straight through, it's probably about seven hours to drive straight through. But because we're on a road trip, and we had to stop a couple times and partake in the beverages on the way, and what was nice is I've been wanting to go to Barley Brown's Brewing in Baker City for a long time. The problem is every time I drive through this through you know through the area, it's usually either too early to to stop and drink or it's too late. And this was the opportunity where we you know we we got there right we actually arrived in Baker City right when the uh, the brewery tap room opened. They have and they also like you mentioned Jackie O's had two locations. They have Barley Browns has the brewery tap room that doesn't serve food. It opens at two o'clock, and then they have the um, pub space that has food and and their beer across the street, and it opens at four. So we were way early for that. So we just decided to go and and do the tap room, but it was it was really nice. We got to sample. I think I had uh, twelve. I had a flight of uh, 12 beers uh, enjoyed every one of them uh, it was a it was actually a really good start to our trip and then we headed back on the road and we stopped again for some dinner in Pendleton which is about halfway the halfway point 
of our drive. And I've been to the brewery in Pendleton quite a few times. I've mentioned on the show it's the Prodigal Son, but my buddy Alex has not been there, so it was a good opportunity for him to get a flight of beers and and add a bunch more check-ins to his Untapped. Uh, and we had a good <laughs> good time, good meal, and then we headed on into Portland. Now this is Thursday, so the festival started on Friday, and it's actually a three-day festival, and um, it's it's kind of a, a you know, really interesting festival because it's it, it's a, it's called the Portland Craft Beer Festival because it's all about showcasing all the breweries that they have in the Portland area. And I don't know exactly how many breweries are in Portland itself, but I think it's like 85, maybe more than 85 breweries just in that one town. And if you were to go visit Portland and want to try to hit as many as you can, uh, it's going to be tough unless you're there for a week. You're going to have a hard time visiting you know, a lot of the, the breweries in the area. But if you want to hit a lot of them all in one stop, this festival is the way to go because there was a ton of beer from not every brewery in the area, but a, almost every brewery in Portland. And uh, I really enjoyed it. And this was uh, a good a good chance for us to, to taste those beers that I haven't uh, tried uh, in Portland. Okay, so it runs three, I mentioned it runs three days, and when you buy your ticket, your ticket counts for all three days. So what's nice, too, is that a lot of times beer festivals, you'll get your ticket, and it's for one day. It might The beer festival might be going on for two days, but your ticket's only good for that one day. And you feel obligated that you got to drink as much as you can to get your money's worth out of that one-day visit. Well, guess what? Don't worry about it. If you're there for the whole weekend, you can come three days in a row and try a smaller amount of beers each day. And that's what we kind of did. We didn't go for all three days. We decided to do a two-day trip. And Actually, originally, we were only planning on going Friday, and then we were going to go do some brewery hopping on Saturday. But we decided to change it up and go both days because there were so many beers, and we had so many tickets that we want to make sure we used all of our tickets and enjoyed as many beers as we could get. So the standard entry to get into this festival is $25. Now, $25 gets you a tasting glass that will give you four ounces of beer, and you get 10 tickets if you bought it at the door. But if you ordered any of their ticket things online, they gave you an extra five tickets. So you got 15 tickets for the same price. And they also have a VIP ticket, and the VIP tickets are uh, they, they include a, a bigger nicer uh, an actual like mug but it's a plastic mug and you get six ounce pours and again if you order online you get 15 tickets if you don't you get 10 and that's the way that we went we went with the 15 or with the uh, vip tickets so that we got the bigger pours and we ordered online so we got the 15 all together so it was really kind of a nice thing now if you you know, wanted more tickets, they were only a dollar a piece. I thought that was a good price, too. And it was re- regardless if you had a four-ounce pour or a six-ounce, it was still just one dollar um, per ticket. And the yeah, way it's they, reasonable for the uh, bonus tickets. Yeah, like A yeah. lot of places are two bucks. Yeah. So. so I thought that was great. Now, you ask, well, how do they know? What I could just give my six-ounce glass to my wife, and she bought a different one. No, they gave you different colored armband, wristbands. To, to differentiate. So you had to go in and you had to have the right colored armband with the right cup to get the, the bigger pour. So they kind of, you know, they, they thought about, uh, you know, how this worked. And re-entry into the park 
for all three days or just if you come back you know throughout the day you had to have your wristband intact and you had to have the the glass the mug so they wouldn't let you in but if you had both those things you went right to the straight front of the line and got right in with no waiting which was also a nice benefit of you know coming and going as you please without having to wait 30 minutes to get into the in back into the park so i thought that was done really nice also all right so Again, I told you that we showed up on Friday, the opening day, and we were there right at noon. It opened at noon. It went on till 10 p.m. at night. And we showed up at noon, and guess what? We were like the first people in. Friday is the day to go. Early, early Friday is the day because a lot of the people around the area that are locals, they're probably working Friday. They're not going to show up until after work. So if you can go in at noon you're going to have free reign of the entire brew festival. And that's what we did for the first four hours that we were there. We just, I mean, there's literally like maybe a hundred people in this festival. And we, it was, it was fantastic. No waiting at any line. Uh, I mean, no, we weren't crowded. Everything. I mean, it was very, very nice. So my recommendation, if you decide to, to do this next year, go make sure you show up early on Friday and, and, and get, and not worry about the crowds. What I really, let's see, what do I have here? I said, uh, yeah, we walked straight in, minimal four hours. Okay, so on Friday we stayed for four hours, and I sampled and logged 12 beers. Again, 12 ounce pour, or six ounce pours, 12 beers, and of course, I took sips of other beers that my friends had, uh, but I didn't log those. I don't log just sips. I only log when I uh, have a real sample. Uh, on yeah, you have, you have the standards. I do, I do. I have ethics, <laughs> and I don't, I don't cross that line. Now, <laughs> and I'm laughing because I'm laughing because my buddy Alex, he doesn't. If if he takes one sip, he'll log it. He does. He's not. He doesn't care. He says, "Hey, I tried it." I'm like, "Okay, that's fine. No problem." We give we give each other a bad time. Um, also, on we came back Saturday. I mentioned we stayed five hours on Saturday, and definitely uh, Saturday was way bigger. I mean, when we got there at noon on Saturday. The place was already filled more than when we left at four. Now the place started to get filled up as the day went on. Friday, about four o'clock, when we left on Friday, there was a good number of people inside the the area. Um, when we showed up at noon, there was already that many people that was there right as we showed up. And again, we walked right to the front of the line, got right in without having to wait in the long line to, to get in. So an, another bonus. So. Altogether, my wife and I, we bought, we, we had 15 tickets each, and I bought, we bought 15 more tickets for this during this weekend. So we had 45 tickets that we drank between the two of us. Um, and, and you know what? She had a great time. You know, my wife, she doesn't drink beer anymore. She's trying, she stays off of gluten, but she enjoys ciders. And it was nice that they had a number of ciders that she could drink. And, and she pretty much used all of her tickets on the ciders. I think she had, uh, she did get one or two sour beers um, that she really wanted to try that she enjoyed. So this festival was even good for people that you know can't really uh, drink beer or don't want to drink too much beer. They can come in and have a good time drinking. There's some. There was a couple wines they offered, and of course a lot of sours, sours and ciders. All right. So now let me talk about the layout of this festival. Now I've gone to a number of festivals here in the local Boise area, and of course with you, John. We've gone to a number of them in the Washington, Seattle area, and um, and a lot of times, the, you know, the festivals are laid out pretty pretty well. Um, I'm going to tell you so far, the layout of this festival is by far the best of any 
layout I've been to yet. They did. They obviously are pros at figuring this stuff out because there was no bottlenecks. There was no um, you know, no congestion, or, or you can get around easily. And there was no waiting. Uh, everything was flowing very fast. They were, I mean, very quick pours. They had enough people manning stations. I mean, they had a ton of bathrooms, porta potties. I never had to wait. Neither my wife or any of my friends had to wait to go use the restroom, which was fantastic. Nothing's worse than you have a few beers, you wait a little too long before going, and now you're like struggling to, to get through the line to, to go, uh, you know, relieve yourself. No, there's no problems there. And the way they said it, and again, there's a, there were a lot of beer at this festival. They had over 100 taps, and they had it lined up in a, so it's kind of like a, imagine having, a, um, you know, taps lined out, 50 taps in a row, and then put another 50 back to back. So it was like a, you know, you had like a circle of these, uh, of these taps, and um, spaced out nicely so that there was never... Um, too much congestion. You knew exactly which line you were standing in. Although, honestly, I think I only stood, of all those tickets we drank, I think I stood and waited in a line that were like two people deep. I mean, the lines weren't even lines. They were like just, uh, you know, literally less than 30 seconds and I was getting my beer. Uh, yeah, so that setup sounds similar to the uh, Washington Brewers Festival Yeah, uh, that they have over Father's Day weekend, except there's five or six of those setups. Oh, wow. Um, to accommodate everybody, so yeah, yeah. So I mean, that, that it's perfect. So I, I hadn't gone to that one yet. We were gonna go this year. Um, if you were still in town, we were gonna try to go. But since you decided to skip, uh, skip yeah, town, blame that on me now. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Maybe one day, maybe maybe another year, I'll, I'll go without you, unless you decide to come back and and visit it. But I don't think that's gonna happen. But yeah, I wanted to go to that one one day for sure. So the other nice thing is, is they didn't, they weren't skimpy on getting people under shade and cover. They uh, they know that it's a hot, it's hot out there. It's summertime. The heat's going to be on there. People going to be drinking beer. They don't want to get dehydrated and and falling down, getting sick. They had a huge, huge covered area with probably at least fifty tables and three hundred chairs to sit sit down at. And these tables were long banquet style tables that could have, you know, 10 people, uh, 10 or more people on each uh, side of the table. So a huge room for people to sit and visit and kind of camp out, get to those spot. We had our spot set out where we had, you know, there's five of us all together that were hanging out together and we were just, one person would stay back while the other ones got beer and then we just kind of switched off and we had a great little meeting place. Uh, we ate our food there and, and just kind of camped out. They also had um, food trucks and merchants uh, along the outside perimeter of the fence, which was nice, so it kept it away from the main beer area, and you can still go get your food, go get your merchandise, um, go play some games. There's tons of games they had. They had eight cornhole game set up in the middle of this field. This park was huge. They had a lot of room and a lot of activities. They had a soccer ball like bowling thing where people get into the the bowling thing and they try to uh, kick soccer balls and knock down bowling pins. They had uh, ping pong. They had an arcade. They had pinball and video games in a tent down uh, away from the the main portion of the beer drinking. Uh, 
They had wading pools for people to get their feet wet and just kind of cool off. They had misting tents that people can kind of walk under and just kind of get misted with a nice little cooling mist. I mean, this brew festival was set up really, really nice, and I just wanted to let everyone know that, that this wasn't a... I mean, you paid a little money to get in, but if you consider that if you just go for the $25 entry... That counts for three days, and you get all these amenities that they include also, which I thought was done really nice. Um, okay, so just a couple things that I liked. I love the layout. I love the entry and re-entry. They did a really fast job of getting people in and back in if they wanted to come back in. I love the location. The park was beautiful. It was a nice little green area park, uh, easy to get to in a nice part of town. Actually, I didn't mention that. Well, I guess I'll mention it in a minute, but... Uh, and then the other thing I liked was the amenities and, of course, the three days. Now, Friday and Saturday is 21 and, 21 and older only, no kids. And Sunday was a family day. So if you do want to bring your kids and family, there is a day they devote to families uh, on Sunday. And that's the same thing with the Father's Day. Uh, Washington uh, Beer Festival is like you went on Sundays because that was family day. So it's nicely off. Well, they, they're Saturday and Sunday. You can have kids oh, Fridays so Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. 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 So a couple things that I didn't like, I'll tell you what, I got a six ounce glass and even though I'm drinking a lot of beers and I probably shouldn't worry about being short poured, I got short poured so many times and it really frustrated me. Why? Because I am the most friendliest guy at these things. When I walk up to a someone pouring beers, I'm chatting with them, small talk, you know, I'm trying to, you know, Give them a good time, too, because they're just sitting there serving people. And some people, they they aren't nice, right? They can be kind of mean and snarky or whatever. And I always try to be nice. And I'm always hoping, too, that, hey, if I'm nice, they'll give me a little extra pour. But, man, I got short poured so many times and uh, just kind of a little quirk. Just keep that. Now, keep in mind that my friend Nikki, now she's a beautiful young lady, she never got short poured. She got like eight ounce pours in her four ounce glass every time. I mean, it was crazy that she was constantly coming back with a full glass of beer. And I'm like, wait a minute. How the hell did you get a full glass? Oh, they just kept pouring. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's, it was crazy. So again, I, I mentioned last episode that maybe I'm the wrong sex for this craft beer thing. I need to be, uh, I need to put on some long hair and wear some padded, you know, shirts. Please don't. Please don't. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So here's the other thing that I thought was pretty cheap of them. Now, they advertise on the website that for your standard entry, you get a a souvenir cup and you get four-ounce pours. And for your VIP, you get a a bigger souvenir cup with six-ounce pours. Well, guess what? The souvenir cup for four-ounce pours is a cheap, flimsy, disposable plastic glass with some uh, writing on it that says uh, Portland Craft Beer Festival. I mean, really, really cheap um, cup. Not a souvenir. You're not going to keep that thing. It's you know, it's it's it's, it's even cheaper than a, a red solo cup, right? They could have gone with red solo cups and, and upped it up a little bit. They went <laughs> even cheaper than that. Not that kind of left a sour taste in my mouth. Only because there's people that read souvenir cup and they expect to have. Something that you know they'll be able to bring back and and use for tastings or whatever, and and they don't have that. They they kind of cheated those people. Now, for the VIP, you actually got a 12 ounce plastic mug uh, with a handle and a nice writing on it. So 
they had a six ounce pour line that was halfway up the mug, but still a mug that you could use at the beach or when you're going uh, camping, you know, it's a reusable mug that is actually purpose. You can actually have a secondary purpose for it. So they did good on that one. I think they should have gone for a smaller mug version for the, the standard, you know, do a small mug, big mug type thing. And that's what I thought it was going to be. So I'm, I'm kind of really glad that we went with the VIP tickets to get that extra mug. And the other thing that kind of soured me a little bit was I mentioned there was over 100 beers. And what was the majority of those 100 beers? They were IPAs. So you know what? I know IPAs. Everyone loves IPAs. But my gosh, I got so tired of drinking IPAs. I had to drink. The second day I went, I didn't drink any IPAs. I went for everything else they had. I drank a bunch of sours. I drank three of the four dark beers they had. I drank... uh, some uh, Pilsners and some of the lagers they had. But in reality, they had probably 60 IPAs and then 40 or so beers were of the other styles. And I thought they really needed to give you some more ambers, some more reds, uh, you know, branch out and give you some of the, you know, some Scottish shells. There was not one Scottish shell there. I would love to have at least one Scottish shell style. I wish there was more diversity in well, the some, styles. Somebody has to brew it in order to bring it. I know, I know, but they folk again, is Portland, I mean, if I were to go to this and come back not knowing anything about Portland, I'd say Portland only likes IPAs. That's all they brew up. That's what the majority of them brewed up. And I think we would have been missing, you'd be missing the fact that that Portland does have other styles of beer that are, um, you know, that are brewed, that are done well. We just didn't see them as much in this festival. All right. Any questions, John? Anything I did I missed? I left out on the festival. That's that's about my festival talk. No, I think sounds like a nice nice event. Okay. So. Okay. So a little bit more. I, I, I'm not done talking though. You, John said I'd be talking for 20 not. minutes. I'm going to be talking <laughs> 20 minutes for sure. So we stayed in the University District of Portland, which is in the uh, kind of the northwest uh, side of the Portland. Portland's kind of split into uh, four districts. Or not more districts, but four uh, quadrants. You know, northwest, southwest, northeast, southeast, and we were in the northwest section in the university where Portland State University is located. Um, and the festival was in the Pearl District, just a little bit north, you know, further north uh, of us, about two miles. And we actually had a great time walking. Uh, each 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 way was two miles, so we walked two miles to the festival, two miles back. Uh, got to you know stop at a bunch of different places. Uh, very nice, enjoyable scenery. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you what, Portland has cleaned itself up a lot since I lived there. I lived there back in the uh, in the eighties, and uh, it was not as clean and um, beautiful. It was really a, it was really beautiful. We really enjoyed going through. They they renovated and and rejuvenated that whole area, uh, and it's very nice. So I recommend if you guys do go. Um, try walking. Don't just go get a Uber down there. I mean, you could if you don't want to walk, but man, walk and enjoy the architecture. The I mean, the the people, the 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 people watching is fantastic there. It's, I mean, really a good time. We we walked uh, a lot. Um, we also um, we visited. Now our plan was to to go there, go to the festival on Friday, and then Saturday we're going to go brewery hopping. Well, guess what? We didn't do that because we just went back to the festival and spent you know five hours there getting drunk. But we did do uh, a couple stops. We went to the Rogue Pub that's on the PSU uh, campus, and we also went to McMinimins that was right there by the PSU 
campus too. So um, we did visit a couple pubs, but uh, uh, neither one was anything special to me. I know my buddy Alex, he really loves the Rogue Pub. Um, the atmosphere, he likes sitting out on the balcony and just people watching. And uh, yeah, that's okay. But uh, I don't know. If, if I was a student there, yeah, it'd be great to hang out there. But um, I think I enjoyed um, some of the other places we went a little bit better. Um, let's see. So did I say, so did I say how many beers did I have? I had, uh, I logged into 27 beers at that festival. So that's quite a bit. Oh yeah. So then we went, we left and came back home on Sunday, yesterday. And on the way home, we stopped in Hood River and I've been wanting to visit this brewery that we stopped at for lunch for a long time. And again, it's always on the, the end or the beginning of my trip back, and I'm just never able to stop. And this time we left a little bit later so that we were able to hit Hood River um, at right at noon so we could eat lunch. And we stopped at Freem Family Brewers. And um, I'll tell you what, the uh, this venue and the beers, just absolutely fantastic. I recommend anyone that is driving or even coming to Portland, even coming, it's an hour out of Portland, um, Drive that hour out to Hood River. It's, a, it's right on the Columbia River. Beautiful scenery. A lot of activity. Uh, this brewery is fantastic. Uh, the beers were all outstanding and above average. I mean, literally, I had eight beers. Six of those eight beers, I rated 4.25 or above. And two, I rated 3.5. Still above average, but they were a little bit below. You know, I've had, you know, they, they didn't live up to the hype of my. Uh, of what I like in that style, but I'm telling you what, I mean, that average is really good for for the beers, and I recommend everyone uh, stop by Freem and, and check it out. The food was good there too. Now, and the service was fantastic, really top notch service. Um, and and we showed up a half hour after they opened. They opened at 11:30. We were there at noon, and we still had to wait an hour to get a table. And I'm so glad. I almost we almost decided to leave and go somewhere else because like ah you know we're wasting time. We could be drinking and back on the road, but we decided to wait it out. And I'm so glad we did because everyone you know everyone was really excited uh, about the beers that we had there. So, um, and I'll talk about the beers when we talk about our new and noteworthy building. So that's it, John. I'm done. I I I've uh, I need to drink some beer because my throat is sore from all that talking. So. How about you give us a Trek Brewing update on how the, the brewery is coming along? Sure. Yeah. Uh, so the, the big thing that we've been talking about for a while was our Indiegogo campaign. Uh, and we successfully funded our campaign, which is awesome. Um, we had a ton of great support, a big push right at the end. Um, and actually, uh, our buddy Mike Mahoney over at the 40Cast was the one that put us over the top, uh, which was awesome. Yes. Um, but uh, we're just blown away by everybody's support, and uh, you know we, we've had some great feedback, and we're excited to to get folks their perks now and uh, keep on keep on going towards the patio. And we actually uh, had some uh, folks out to pull out a bunch of bushes and get their bucket truck out and trim up our trees so we can uh, make space for the patio. Yeah, where it's going to go. Um, the, the amount that the day after the campaign closed. So, uh, that was pretty sweet. Um, and actually since, since we, uh, 
fully funded our campaign, um, Indiegogo turned it into like an in-demand thing, so it's still up. Oh, cool. Um, so uh, the like exclusive stuff that was exclusive for the campaign um, is no longer there, but uh, there's still like sweatshirts and hats and stuff if if you want some some merch and you were just really lazy or something um, <laughs> you, can, you can go get it uh and we'll we'll send it out to you um but uh yeah that, that was really big uh for the end of last week and it was a really uh awesome awesome thing so and we ended up naming three of the four tanks oh cool awesome. so so what can you can so, you remind us what the names are uh, so we only have names for two of the three right now. We're waiting on the third name. Um, so the the one that I mentioned before is uh, Fridge Dancer. Okay. So that's uh, the one. And then uh, the other one that we know is The Goat. The Goat? So, yeah. Okay. Okay. Is yeah, there any so. – I mean, the, do you know of the background behind picking The Goat? It's It's going to be The Goat? It's going to be the goat. The goat? Okay. It's going to be the goat. So. <laughs> all That's right. all I can say. All, all the good all the good beers coming from that one. Oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, outside the, the campaign, uh, our demo is continuing. We've ripped out the whole ceiling uh, in the brewery area. Um, so we've exposed our much taller ceilings that we need for all our tanks and everything. And, um saw how much of a mess uh some of the folks that worked in there left up there um so we'll have to we're gonna have to clean up some of the hvac system um and uh get that a little rearranged a little bit uh so that it actually makes sense and works for the space yeah um but uh it's exciting we've one of the rooms that was there that we're getting rid of is gone so there's so much more space in the uh in the brewery now um, and, uh, say, look forward to some, some pictures. Uh, we have a whole bunch that'll be popping up soon. So, um, yeah, that'll, that's, that's continuing to go on. And then, uh, our, our fermentation tanks for the pilot system actually arrived right as we were starting to record today. Mm. Um, so I've got, uh, those in the garage right now. I got to go open them up and make sure they all arrived intact um, when we're done here. So, Okay, so uh, how many tanks are you going to have for your pilot system? Uh, we'll have uh, three, uh, three tanks and a, and a little one-barrel bright tank. Okay. So, yeah, um, and that should be a nice little playground um, to keep, keep things fresh. So. Yeah, yeah. And uh, did you already get your you already got your kettles? But yet, I mean, your new bigger kettles already arrived, also. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I got those three, four weeks ago now. So. All right. So you you were mentioned last episode. You're still waiting for the construction permits to come through. Have, have they come through yet? No. No. Oh. We're still. Um, we still have some things to submit. Uh, and actually there's folks in there today and more folks actually going in tomorrow, I believe, um, to get that stuff squared away. So, okay. Um, so they'll actually be in there on the holiday. Okay. And good. Get stuff done. Good. Now, now you mentioned to me, uh, in personal text back and forth that you removed the carpet from the, from the main, uh, area. So, um, 
and you mentioned hard work and you feel like an old man with your you know fingers are about ready to fall off because that was a lot of four hours of pulling this carpet out which i can't imagine trying to pull carpet out for four hours but um you exposed i'm assuming concrete floors are you going to do anything special with the concrete floors or what are you planning on, on doing with the flooring um so we actually exposed some really um old hardwood oh. in, in one area and then uh some just plywood subfloor in the other that's over top of the concrete okay um that's under there uh and unfortunately they i mean for the carpet they glued it down with so much glue there, there's no like salvaging the floor mm-hmm. um it's just not going to be feasible um with what it would take to do it um so we're actually uh currently looking at our options for the floors um i i think we're going to try to get the concrete in there or get back exposed to it um, yeah. and seal it up nice so it'll stay stay nice for everybody yeah um but uh We'll uh, we'll see. Uh, that is probably what will end up happening, but uh, we're exploring our options okay. for, for what the space has I, now that we have the carpet up and we can see what's there. Yeah, so. yeah. So there's two ways of there's two ways of looking at uh, at the concrete. One thing, easy cleanup, right? If you have concrete floors, it you know they're you can just wash them down. So, you know, it's easy cleanup. The other, the negative thing is that if depending on the how the room is structured, it could add to a little more echoing or uh, loudness in the uh, in the um, in the, in the sound of the room. So that could be a, a negative thing too. But I like yeah. concrete floors. Yeah, and we 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 looked at that, and thankfully, like our ceiling isn't you know just exposed you know steel sheeting like yeah. you could have in a lot of places where it just bounces all over yeah. so it'll it'll damp it out um and uh you can always uh go in with uh, some other modifications to help that out if yeah. necessary yeah so all right it's exciting i'm excited every time you send a picture every time i see different photos i'm i get even more excited for this thing to come together i'm i'm waiting for those permits to to start showing up so you can actually start uh you know making the uh, the improvements and and seeing the the end product come out I'm I'm really excited. Yeah, you're not the only one. <laughs> come through. Oh, <laughs> all right. Well, excellent. Excellent. Okay, John. So, um, you know, you did go out on a nice road trip with the wife uh visiting some breweries. So, p- please don't tell me that you didn't have any noteworthy beers during your trip. At least have a couple noteworthies. Uh, I can give you a couple. Okay. Yeah. Good. How about that? That sounds um, good. So yeah, I'll start on I'll start on the trip um, and uh, start at Jackie O's, um, and we had some really nice stuff. They had a really nice uh, goza and a saison, and actually a little funky saison that uh, I think had some bread in it, um, which I was surprised that Kristen enjoyed. I think that was called L was the mm. name of that. Um, uh, but she's usually not, not one to enjoy the funky, you know, kind of beers, but, um, she actually liked that one. But the one I'm going to really talk about is their, uh, bourbon, bourbon barrel, uh, brick kiln. And, uh, it had walnuts oh, um, wow. in it as well. Um, so the brick kiln, uh, I believe it was an English style, um, barley wine. Um, that they did in the bourbon barrels, and then you know this one had the the walnuts in it. That uh, that extra little nuttiness 
um, was a really nice uh, note in there, um, along with the barrel and and you know the big malt, you know, bill of the of the barley wine, and uh, I really enjoyed that one um, a, a whole lot. That it just I don't know, it just kind of gave it this roundness that made it real real nice to put back. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, even though it was a big beer, and you know, it's a little heavy um as probably one but that it just kind of softened it up a bit and made it that you actually wanted to keep going um so i'm glad we we didn't have you know large glasses of that because mm-hmm. we may have been stuck at jackie's for a while um before we could move on um but uh, i i could definitely enjoy a lot of that beer um and it'd be really nice like in the winter in front of the fire just enjoying that yeah, in, in this nice snifter glass yeah yeah um so i definitely definitely recommend that one if you can get your hands on it uh, and you're in jackie o's footprint um so then uh little fish i mentioned they they do um you know a bunch of saisons and uh some wild beers and such but i'm actually going to mention their double ipa because why not mm-hmm. everybody loves ipa right yeah um, but partly because i love the name of this beer, uh, which is essential oils, which is just a perfect name for a big hoppy beer. Um, <laughs> getting all those hop oils in there, your nice flavor and aroma from it. Um, but, uh, th- this beer was real smooth, um, and some nice tropical notes to it. Uh, I, I really enjoyed that one and, um, it was perfect just sitting out on their, uh, on the lawn, on the on the picnic table, and enjoying a little sunshine with with that double IPA it was a very nice moment. Nice, so, um, but yeah, love that beer. And then I'll go one step further with a, a double IPA that I liked even more, uh, which is the Trogues Little Giant mm. or Nimble Giant, excuse me, Nimble Giant. Um, and uh, this beer is just shock full of like tropical fruit, like juicy fruit, um, type character, really smooth. Um, and, uh, I actually gave this a five cap, which, you know, I'm serious when I, yeah. when I give that out. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, our friend Amanda, um, our guy actually said this was her favorite beer right now. So, and I can see why it's, uh, <laughs> it's really nice. And I'm happy that I have, uh, two more, um, 16 ounce cans in the fridge right now. So, um, I'll be enjoying some more of that one. Nice. Nice. But, uh, yeah, I think that that pretty much sums it up for me right now. So, uh, how about you? I imagine you have a lot to get through. I do. Your, uh, your diatribe of your weekend. I do. <laughs> I, I have a ton and I didn't mention that, uh, my buddy Alex and I, we, when we were driving to Portland, we, we're talking and says, Hey, let's make a goal. Let's make a goal that we're going to drink each. We're going to drink a hundred beer, you know, sample, you know, we're going to log a hundred beers each this weekend. And I was like, yeah, yeah, we can do it. You know, starting off the trip, it seems pretty easy, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, I did fail, uh, to hit a hundred, but I did hit, uh, what did I hit? Uh, 51. I logged 51 beers in three days. So yeah, that's still enough. 51% still <laughs> enough. But hey, you have to aim high and then, you know, 51 is still pretty good. 
pretty good. All right, so now I already mentioned that I had a lofty goal of drinking a lot of beer. So I'm going to just go through quickly a lot of noteworthy beers that I had of those 51 that I drank this weekend. So I don't have, I mean, I have a small portion of that I'm going to talk about. So first off, I'm going to talk about Freem because Freem beers by far was the highlight of my weekend. I really enjoyed every beer I had, but I wanted to go ahead and point out four of the ones that really stood up ahead of, above the, the other ones that I had. The first one is their Old Bruin. And I gave this beer a perfect five. And again, I rate per style. So five in the Old Bruin category. As you mentioned before, John, on the other one I had with the Edge Brewing, um, did it, you asked me if it came across with some of that vinegar. No. Again, another beer that didn't have... Now, my buddy Alex said yes. It tasted like or smelled like vinegar, but reality is, um, I didn't taste the vinegar. I tasted a wine acidic character with it, um, not over, not overly done, but just done enough, along with some berries and fruit uh, in the finish. Um, very easy to drink, very enjoyable, very warming, um, but not warming like in a high alcohol thing. Just warming as in it just tasted like a great beer. Now. Am I going to drink, you know, a couple pints of this? No. I'm going to have a, a small sample of it and enjoy it for what it is. So th that was the best beer I had uh, the whole weekend was that one right there. Uh, the next one is another one that John and I, you know, I know you've had a couple IPA, sour IPAs that didn't quite fit the bar for what you're expecting. And I've had a few that are hit or miss. I'll tell you what, Freem makes a sour IPA that is top notch. Uh, this IPA had just enough tartness to tell you that, hey, there's tartness there, but it, it went out really nicely and blended well with the hops in the finish. So it was a tart up front, blending with the hops and finishing nice and dry. Uh, really well done. I gave it four and a half caps. Uh, I love that beer. The other one was another beer that um, was done really well, delicate and uh, just perfect to style, and it's their Freem Summer Pale Ale. It's a pale ale that gives you some of that malty character, that cracker, cereal malt character up front with a nice, just the right amount of hops that don't overtake the style like an IPA, but just gives it enhancement and makes it very refreshing, great summer drinking pale ale. And I gave that one a four and a half also. Really well done. And the last frame beer I'm going to talk about is their Com Kumquat farmhouse ale you know, and everyone knows that i really really enjoy farmhouse and saison style ales this one has a fantastic tropical fruity you know almost like a pineapple uh mango type uh, combination with a slight tartness uh finishing really dry and uh everyone at the table love this beer we love it so much that both my buddy Alex, who doesn't like farmhouse sales, and myself got, after we finished our flights, we each got a pint of this to drink separate because it was really good and we really enjoyed it. And again, I gave this beer a four and a half cap rating. Uh, it, it just really was a fantastic beer. Yeah, and I've talked about Freem quite a bit on mm -hmm. the show, and I have not gotten my hands on any of those. So yeah. clearly I need to get back out there. Yeah, and if you and and you're right, John. Um, they make a lot of beer, and they go through a lot of beer through the you know through the pub, and even in their bottles. I've had a few bottles that 
uh, I've bought in Seattle, um, and even some that's come here. There's been a couple of bottles that come here I've grabbed too. But the one thing I will say, if I had to sum up Freem beer in one word, it would be clean. Clean meaning the these people know how to make beer perfectly. There's no off flavors. Everything just is so clean and just there's nothing mucking in it, mucking it up. It's fantastic. I, that's the one word I would use. R- very clean and very enjoyable. So, yeah, they they do great stuff across the board. Yeah. So, all right, now let me go into some of the beers at the festival that really wanted to highlight some of the things I really liked. And I'm gonna go. I drank up quite a few sours. I really, you know, sours are making a big. Uh, push in the last couple years and they were they were represented pretty well uh, at the festival maybe they had like 10 or 15 sours and the one that was really the best in my from what I say was the best one I had was from coalition brewing and it's the apricot sour and again sours can be overwhelming to the palate they can be so sour that you're, you feel like your teeth enamel is melting off and, and or you can drink it and as soon as you take a sip it feels like you're getting acid reflux back up into your throat guess what this sour has none of that very good apricot flavor which apricot is what is like my, my favorite fruit um, it had a very nice apricot flavor flavor up front subtle tart you know tartness in there that again ended dry i love to have a nice dry apricot sour uh well done well done from coalition never had a coalition beer before but i'll tell you what they make great sours the other one john that caught me by surprise but because i saw that of what kind of style it was i was like you know what i gotta try it it's from uh Berlick, uh east uh, Berlick brewing and it's called their east side oatmeal pilsner and, you know, Tim Price was asking us about, hey, do you guys like having oatmeal in your beers? And we both agreed that we do like oatmeal in our beers because we like that mouthfeel, that extra body it gives it, and the smoothness. And I'll tell you what, this beer was fantastic. I gave it a four and a half rating for a Pilsner. And the body was was great. The flavor was great. It's very smooth. Um, I mean, really fantastic. A style, John, that I think... You need to look into. You mentioned you kind of joked around about having your oatmeal lager. I think you need a serious look into oatmeal lager. I think it's something that might make a, uh, you know, might might be pretty good. Yeah. No, oats are good all around. Yeah. So. Okay, and then um, the beer that when I, so before the the festival started, I went through and they listed all the beers they were going to have on their website. So I went through on on uh, Wednesday before I left, uh, uh, and I went through and looked at the beers, and the one that stood out on top of the list, that well, one of the ones that stood out that I really want to try was the, the Ecleptic Starburst IPA. And um, I'll tell you what, this is an IPA that has uh, fruity flavors that really mimic that flavors that you get from a Starburst candy. It was juicy, it was hazy, it was really really flavorful and good uh i gave this one a four and a half rating also i i think anyone that goes to portland needs to try this beer uh very good and then the other one that i had another ipa i had uh migration brewing it's called straight out of portland ipa and you know what i always gotta try a beer that says straight out of 
because it's gangster, and I need to make sure that you know. It, just it, like it, you. Yeah, just like me. <laughs> uh, very well done. Four and a quarter rating. And now a couple beers from our Barley Brown's first stop on our road trip, the very beginning of our road trip. Uh, a couple ones I hadn't had before that really that really stood up up and above the rest was their uh, Turmoil Black IPA. Uh, I gave this Black IPA a four and a half rating. Again, John, you know what I like. I like to have that roasty malt flavor up there with a nice hoppy bitter finish. It didn't disappoint. Very well done. It gave me just what I wanted in a black IPA. And the other one that they did, which is a total opposite of the spectrum, it's called the Bali Brown's 80 Shilling Scottish Ale. And uh, I'll tell you what, done really well. Uh, great, uh, you know, little bit of that uh, toffee, caramelly uh, flavor up front. Uh, not, in, not ending too sweet, just enough to give you a semi-sweet finish. Uh, and, and, and kind of almost to a dry finish, actually. Kind of semi-sweet to dry. But the flavor was fantastic for a light, like, you know, I think it's like, I think it's 4.2%, maybe less than 4.2. Very light uh, ale, but really well done and very flavorful and clean. Again, a lot of the beers that I had from Bali Browns and from both Freem, clean beers that don't have any off flavors or any, any distracting uh, uh, flavors. So that's it. I got through my noteworthy beers pretty fast. Um, let's go into some feedback. We did get a lot of feedback from our listeners, mostly on uh, Twitter. Uh, we did get a couple emails also, but I'll start it off with uh, a couple iTunes reviews. We got two iTunes reviews this last two weeks, one from our buddy Tom Byrne here in the Boise area, and another one from our buddy Mike Mahoney from uh, the Gamers in Beta and 40Cast podcast. Uh, they both left some fantastic iTunes review. We really appreciate you guys taking the time to leave us a review. Yeah, and uh, Jason Lacey, uh, Fox to Pose and Battle of the Beer over on YouTube, uh, at JW Lacey, he uh, commented, I love me some coconut porter. Yeah. So, yeah, who doesn't, right? Yeah. Who doesn't? <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff, for sure, <laughs> for sure. And then we had our buddy uh, Robert Melinez at Chew Your Beer. He also made some comments on Twitter. He says, I'm listening to episode 76, We Heavy Beer Conversation Between Denny, John, and just make him a host already, Chris. He says he's married to the he's he's married and he moved to Florida for his wife. This guy is committed to what he loves. He loves craft beer. Give him a podcast contract. Wow. Yeah. You know, without getting into the details, let's just say he's demanding a pretty hefty signing bonus. <laughs> you know, it's just things you have to work through yeah, and, uh, yeah. you know, show a guy what he's really worth. So, um, who knows? Who knows if we can, if we can reach an arrangement. Yes. Yeah. Contract <laughs> negotiations are ongoing, but, uh, but you know what? Hey, Chris does do a great job and we really enjoy having him on the show and, uh, and yeah, let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. Yeah, and then uh, our, our buddy David Makazuki at Yojimbo2000 on Twitter said, trying to catch up and listening to episode 75, said Idaho must be a cheap place to live. He says, <laughs> I have paid $21 for a 64-ounce double IPA. And then uh, Tom Joseph at King Holmes responded, I have the same thoughts when I hear Denny and John talking about beer prices, designing those West Coast prices back east. <laughs> 
So a little, a little uh, beer price envy going on. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, come on, John. When you mentioned you got that growler fill for, what, eight bucks? That that Pilsner that you got? What, what was the last growler uh, yeah, I got I got 128 ounces for $14. For $14. That is a steal. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, that, I mean, yeah, there's people that are going to be envious of us. We can get some cheap growler fills. It's nice. But you know, one thing—one yeah. thing that David did mention is that he's not envious of our, at least the winters we have here in, in the Boise area, because it does get pretty cold with the snow and ice. So he said he'll pay the extra price in beer, just not have those winters. Yeah, but we can stock up on cheap beer to get us through the snow. So <laughs> that's, that's, true. that's true. That's <laughs> true. Uh, that's true. All right, and then. Um, we also, you know, Tom Joseph, he also sent us a very nice email on how much he enjoyed episodes 75 and 76. We just want to thank you, Tom, for the kind words and the feedback for sure. Yeah, and then Chad Lamassa at Chad Lamassa on Twitter uh, said, Great episode, guys. I like the part about the coconut porters. But the Maui one is available in Baltimore as well. Said Oscar Blues Death by Coconut is probably my favorite. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. How yeah, was, we've how, talked about it on the show before. Yeah. So how was that one left out of that list too? I, I mean, that I, I, when he mentioned that, I was like, oh, how could we not remember that one? That's a great beer. So. Yeah. Well, they, they just need to name it better. So it should have been Licking Hole. <laughs> Death, by, yeah. Death, by Lick- Death by Licking Hole. Death by Licking Hole. Yeah. That would have done it. That would have done it. All right, and our last uh, listener uh, comment was, again, from Mike Mahoney, at Captain Mike M on Twitter. Uh, he commented about our coconut talk. Uh, he said, wow, those guys couldn't have been more excited to talk about coconut porters. <laughs> LOL, feel your hosting pain there. So I know, did we start talking over each other? Or what? I can't remember. Uh... Uh, no, you introduced the topic, and I, uh, both Chris and I were just silent, and you were like, all right, I guess we'll just go. <laughs> Keep That's it, on. you're right, you're right. But uh, yeah, no, that, that night, if you couldn't tell from, especially my end of uh, some long pauses before coming in, I was having some really uh, bad connection issues, and uh, we were getting a, a pretty late start Um mm-hmm to accommodate uh, birthday celebrations and other stuff, which unfortunately just all came together into uh, <laughs> a lot of awkward silence for Denny to deal with. So, yeah. Um, yeah. but uh, yeah, <laughs> we survived. Yeah. Now that you reminded me, yeah, I remember that thing. And I, and as I was editing the podcast, I was thinking about taking, I did, I was thinking about taking it out. I think I did take a small portion of the silence out because it was really long. So I took a little bit of the silence out just, but I wanted to leave a little bit of there just so that, it flew in a little bit, showing that yeah, there was a little bit of a of a lull in yeah. that comment. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, well hey, thank you guys, everyone, for uh, you know for going out and uh, and and talking to us on social media. We really really appreciate it, and especially for all those the emails we got this last time too. It's nice you guys to take the extra effort to write the emails and the reviews for sure. Now, guess what? We have a contest, and we're going to announce the winner of our contest right now. So basically, we had 55 entries, including the two iTunes reviews, which thank you again for those iTunes reviews. Those help us tremendously. And again, I just want to let everyone know, if you leave a iTunes review, you are automatically entered into every contest that we have, because that's how much those mean to us. So... 
take a little bit of effort, leave the review, and then you can just phone in all the contests. You have a chance to win. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of joking. We want you to participate. But, you know, if you just want to do one thing, that would be that would be great. Now, again, just to let everyone know, we had a contest for uh, a hop cloth, drink beer from here shirt. And uh, all you had to do was to, you know, like and share our Facebook uh, post and and like our page or uh, tweet us something on Twitter and retweet our our posts. Uh, Just do a few things, leave an iTunes review. Each of those actions would have got you an entry into the contest. And and again, we had a, a great amount of participation, but only one person can win. And that person is, you want to do a drum roll? I can't even do a drum roll. No drum roll. There we go. Drum roll. And that winner is Mike Allen from Nevada. Yay. Congrats, Mike. Congrats, Mike. You are the lucky winner. Just uh, go ahead and send us an email at tapthecraft at gmail.com so we can uh, work out the details and get you that shirt as fast as possible. Okay, so again, we just got done doing a lot of uh, mentions and, and feedback from our listeners. If you would like to contact the show with your comments or questions or feedback, you can reach us through email at tapthecraft@gmail.com or, of course, on Twitter, like so many of our listeners did. Just find us at tapthecraft. And we also have a Facebook page that our buddy Chris does a fantastic job of maintaining. It's at facebook.com slash tap the craft everything is tap the craft just punch that into your browser and you're going to get us one way or another and now it's time uh, it's the time of the show where we like to thank open forum radio network for supporting the show and of course they provide our hosting space at openforumradio.com and if you enjoy the content that john and i put out then we know you're going to find some other great content like the following hey you thank you so much for listening to tap the craft with denny and john now i know you're a crafty consumer And if you would like to consume other great podcasts, check out OpenFormRadio.com. We house such podcasts as Opaform Radio Proper, The 40Cast, Geeks for the Win, I Recommend, Just Press Start, The Married Gamers, Gamer Husbands Radio, The OMG Hour, Gamers Unscripted, Lost Treasures of Gaming, Primetime, My Peanut Gallery, and many, many more. And please remember to leave these fine fellas a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this show. Again, thank you so much for listening to Tap the Craft. All right, now it is time for our Brew Buzz segment. And the Brew Buzz is devoted to discussing all kinds of various beer-related topics. And this week, we are going to discuss draft line cleaning and cleanliness and the effects it has on your beer. Now, this topic was brought to us by a listener, Eric Gronley, through email. He asked, I was wondering if you guys have touched on draft line cleaning and the importance for brewery best practices. I work at the Better Beer Society of Minnesota, and with the recent boom in Minneapolis-St. Paul area in the last couple of years, quality of beer, or quality beer, is at an all-time priority. So we have, uh, we, I mean, I think in our uh, in our uh, off flavor, or uh, we had a topic that we talked about uh, how some off flavors can come from uh, brew lines and stuff. We 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 briefly talked about it at least a year and a half ago, if not longer. But you know what? It's a great opportunity to go ahead and talk about it again because this is very important. And 
Uh, I think that a lot of breweries need to, and, and not only breweries, but all these growler filling stations, anywhere where you get beer out of a tap, they have to really um, focus on making sure that these lines are clean and not full of off flavors that can really uh, destroy your experience. So, John, you are getting ready to get your taps going in your brewery. I mean, I, I wish it was next week, but I know you're a couple months off. But this has got to be something that's on your mind because you want to make sure that the people visiting your brewery are getting the best quality beer they can. So why don't you lead us into the discussion on uh, keeping these lines clean? Yeah, so, uh, you know, dirty draft lines are just a huge issue across, you know, not just breweries, but as you mentioned, growler stations, bars, anywhere that you get beer. Um, because a dirty draft line, it, it directly impacts, you know, your experience with the pint that's in front of you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we've talked before about, you know, you have clean glassware and everything else. Well, none of that matters if what the beer is sitting in before it gets to you is dirty, you know, mm-hmm. and you'll have in those lines, uh, you can get bacterial spoilage, um, Nothing that can really hurt you, um, thankfully, because of the the pH level, the acidity of beer um, and hops uh, will will keep any real nasties at bay. Um, but these are things that impact the flavor, it impacts the aroma, mouthfeel, even the carbonation and the foam, um, and how that all forms. Um, so, if you have a beer that's put in front of you, and you know it's got really poor head formation and uh, you know, that it could be a dirty glass or it could be that that's a really dirty line. Um, and, uh, I mean, all that stuff just sits in there and eats on the beer. The beer is just giving it a constant food source. Um, so, uh, you, they, you got to keep these things clean, um, to get a quality product out the other end. Um, so I, I'm going to present kind of what the, uh, you know, recommended best practices uh, through the Brewers Association um, for for cleaning these uh, all your beer lines, and uh, it's really I mean it's something that we're, we've already put a, a process in place that we're planning to follow um, for for our lines, and you know it's it's important. Uh, you know, folks on the on the other side of the bar are trusting that we're going to you know give them the best beer that we can. And that doesn't, you know, end in the brew house. It, it, it continues on through the packaging through, you know, until we hand you the beer or you take it home. Um, you know, we have to make sure that everything from start to finish uh, is good. And that, you know, includes draft lines. Mm-hmm. There, there's a lot of little things that, you know, you have to think about in terms of making sure the best product, you know, gets to the to the enjoyer so um yeah so uh best practice for for cleaning out lines and i don't maybe this will just be interesting for some folks maybe we've got some folks out there who are you know in in industry and can maybe take it back if they're like hey we don't do any of that um (laughs) but uh uh, basically first step you know flush all your beer lines uh with water um, get all the beer out, um, and uh, once once all your lines are running clear, um, you're actually going to uh, hook up a pump 
to your lines and uh, they, they make special fittings that will actually attach like your fa- faucet to faucet basically okay. um, that will recirculate through there. So you're going to recirculate a cleaning solution that's a, a warm cleaning solution and it's going to circulate for 15 to 20 minutes uh, to break up anything, clean it out. Um, and uh, during that time, you'll pop the faucets off um, and be cleaning those faucets uh, by hand, scrubbing them getting them through your cleaning solution as well. Um, get everything that touches the beer uh, clean. Um, and uh, after that time, you'll then reassemble your faucets. Um, you're going to do another water purge. Um, and this one might take a little while. you got to um, make sure that you purge all that cleaning solution out of the lines. And uh, you actually test this by... Um, testing the pH of what's coming out of the, the line mm-hmm. um, so that you can match it with your tap water. Okay. So when you get a pH that matches your tap water, then you know you've purged all that cleaning solution. Um, so that, that's how you know that I'm not going to put, you know, any chemicals into somebody's glass and serve it to them with their beer, uh, which nobody wants. No. Um, so uh, at that point, once... Once you know that you've purged all your chemicals, you can rehook your kegs, push all the water out, um, and now you got beer back in your lines and clean and ready to go. Hmm. So it's it's really not a it's not a difficult process, but you know it just takes time, uh, it takes you know little money in, in supplies and and everything, but uh, definitely worth it and, and needs to happen. Okay. So, so what, what do you think? Uh, so you think what, maybe an hour, an hour and a half to do this, uh, cleaning? Um, well that all depends on how many taps you have, um, and what your pump is. Um, cause you, you still need to have a pump that's strong enough to, um, you know, recirculate with, with a little vigor, mm-hmm. you know, um, in there. So you might have to do them in sets. Okay. Hook up, you know, two to four lines together, recirculate through those, do the next, you know, set as you go. Okay. Um, And so, I mean, it it can add up, but, uh, you know, maybe you can do it on a rotating schedule. Yeah. You know, so you have a set schedule and you'll clean this block, then you clean the next block and, you know, that kind of thing. So maybe you don't have to take everything down at once to do. Um, But, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, and I I don't think I, I mentioned that, the, the recommended is that you do this at least every two weeks. So, okay. um, and that's probably contingent on how much beer you're pushing. Um, you know, the more you're, you're pushing and maybe swapping new beers in and off different lines, you know, you might need to get in there and do it more often. Um, but, uh, so at least, at least twice a month. Okay. And you know, the, I, I can say this is not something that I, did a good job at as a home brewer, um, <laughs> you know, with my, with my keyser and, uh, you know, it, it was dumb, you know, I, I, and I knew I had dirty lines. I could see it. I could look at the line and know it was dirty. Um, but you know, it, it does cost money to, to put a system like that together. And when you're not, you know, selling anything, it's kind of hard to, to justify. Yeah, and yeah. eventually I got to the point where I was like, you know what? five feet of this hose is not that expensive. Yeah. 
Um, and I just started tossing hose yeah. after a while, like not every two weeks I wasn't tossing hose, but it's just like, well, I'll just put new hose on there. Cause I don't have a setup that I can, you know, recirculate like that. Yeah. Um, and you know, that, that cost impact, uh, the Brewers Association I know has actually put together like information for, uh, retailers and other folks that say, look, this, you know, you think it costs a lot, but when you break it down, like it really doesn't cost anything in the grand scheme of everything else you have going on. Um, and it makes sure you have a quality product to keep people coming back, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, um, you know, there are a lot, a lot of reasons that folks may not do it. Um, may just be ignorant to the, the need, mm-hmm. um, you know, or they think it's too expensive or, uh, you know, just don't maybe understand the best way to go about it. Um, but uh, definitely something that that you want. And, you know, it's kind of hard as a consumer to actually call somebody out on it, uh, that, hey, this, this line's dirty because um, you may not be right. Mm-hmm. You better be a beer that you're very, very familiar with, yeah, um, yeah. you know, and know exactly what it should taste like. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. If, if, you're, if you're curious and they have the beer in bottles too, like if you got a – Maybe a Sierra Nevada Pale Ale and comes out tasting a bit weird. <laughs> Order in a bottle and show them the difference. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so, so John, in bigger uh, markets like in Portland, you know, there's a lot of of breweries and bars in that area. Do you, are there companies that uh, you can hire to come in every two weeks and flush your system after hours, or do you know if there's if that's a possibility too? Uh, yes, that does exist. Um, I know there was one in Seattle because I would actually see the, the van on my way on my commute mm-hmm. um, to and from work. And it's actually a van with two kegs on the top um, and like decorated for line cleaning <laughs> and whatnot. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, those services do exist. Okay. Um, and, uh, but, and yeah, that's, that's one way to do it. Um, but it's really not hard, you know, um, and I, I know I, I've heard stories of, you know, bars and stuff that expect you to clean the lines if you're selling them beer. Oh, yeah. So, and they, they kind of, they have you a, a kind of over a barrel because they say, well, that's fine. You can serve your beer on a dirty line if that's what you want people to experience. Mm-hmm. But, well, yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, but it's not not the way it, it should be. Yeah. Yeah. So it should be the bar owner's responsibility to make sure his lines are clean. They're cycling through right. a lot of beer, different vendors and stuff. So here's a, a, a sidebar question that I just came up with as you mentioned this, uh, you know, just now about the, the bars wanting the uh, breweries to clean their, their lines. Um, do you have any intention of going out to some of the bars that are serving your beer when it gets out in the kegs and other bars and tasting and making sure that that they're keeping their lines clean? If you go over and have a, a pint of your own beer and you taste it off, uh, are, is that something you might do is to go out and audit the quality of the people serving your beer? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think everybody should be doing that. Yeah. And I know, I know people, I know breweries that do, um, and they will pull it. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think it's important, you know, quality matters and, yeah. you know, you got to send a message that, Hey, you got to take care of, of all this stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah. You don't want somebody trying one of your beers for the first time in another area 
getting a bad off flavor that that was not intended by you to be in there and then say oh yeah this trek brewing it's it's bad it tastes like you know crap or you know like like uh, mildew socks mildew socks you don't want that type of representation so you need to definitely police it yourself to make sure people aren't getting uh, uh, a bad idea of what you guys have to offer because so yeah that makes sense yeah unless it's our you know very very sought after sock ipa i mean then that's exactly <laughs> what we're going for so. sock ipa yes yeah that sounds jim sock ipa you should make one like that <laughs> <laughs> all right well hey john excellent job i hope that uh that this helps uh, eric uh you know with his question and if you have any you know further questions eric please uh, just ask we'll get back to you with more details on that for sure Okay, hey, we have a, an article we want to talk about because last week, the Brewers Association, they finally rolled out their new seal, new logo or seal that, pe- that breweries can put on their beer to identify that this beer came from an independent beer company, brewer. Uh, because, as we all know, um, craft beer is, has been kind of a generic name of anything that is not manufactured in bulk by big beer but now that craft breweries are being bought up by big beers it is a lot harder for people the common consumer to know for sure they're getting something that's independently brewed by an independent brewer so they came up with a new logo and they released it so they uh, they had a couple articles come out and I just kind of highlighted the top four uh, questions and inquiries that might come about with this new seal and uh, the first thing they ask is why now why now are we releasing this this new seal and it says when it comes to the origins of food and beverages there is an increasing public interest in transparency beer lovers are no exception as big beer acquires former craft brands beer drinkers have become increasingly confused about which brewers remain independent they want to know who makes their beer with the launch of the seal, the Brewers Association is making it easy to identify which beer is made by independent craft brewers. So, here's here's a here it is, right? We've been known they define craft beer. The Brewers Association has defined craft beer as a certain criteria. John, are they now going to change that to? define what an independent brewer is? Is that what the change is? Are they going to say now these apply to independent brewers? Because or are they still going to use the craft beer type of uh, logo or, you know, modeling? Yeah, as, as far as I know, it's the same definition that the Brewers Association has always had. Mm-hmm. Um, but they can't control people using the term craft yeah. beer, right? Yeah. They they don't own that term. They don't, so I think they were looking to come up with a way that they could regulate, you know, who can label their beer as, you know, their definition. Okay. So I think this independent beer is just kind of a, because independent has always been a part of that craft definition yeah. of theirs, you know, so it's kind of a way just to, for them to make delineation between, the, you know, the, the big companies and the, the companies they've been buying up and, launching on their own and, and all that from, you know, the, the people that are, are not owned by the big beer companies. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. So, uh, 
so they've created this seal, and so what does it look like? Um, so featuring an iconic beer bottle shape flipped upside down, the seal captures the spirit of how craft brewers have upended the beer industry while informing beer lovers that they are choosing a beer from a brewery that is independently owned. So you can look for it. It's, uh, it's a pretty uh, simplistic art, easy to identify, upside down bottle. I think it says independent uh, brewer like along the side of it. If I'm recalling, I don't have the thing open in front of me. Um, yeah, it's got it's got the bottle but, upside down, and then it separates independent into three sections. Oh, that's right. Independent craft is on the bottle, yeah. and then Brewers Association certified is what's around the yeah. side. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I guess what is going to happen is uh, you know brewers that buy into this being called independent are going to now have to change their labels and add this seal uh, to their labeling, you know, somehow, uh, which is fine. I mean, it's just another piece of art they can put on there, depending on, you know, I'll be curious to see if the uh, Brewer Association defines certain specifications on the size and the use of it. You know, it can only be, you know, standing upright and this type of size and this coloring. I mean, I I wonder if they're going to be really... Uh, adamant that it maintains a certain look, but I don't know. Well, they'll have to to protect the mark. True, so, that's true. And and you sign a license agreement to do it. I haven't seen the agreement yet, um, although I'm sure I could look it up since I'm a member. Is this although some- it's available to non-members as well? Yeah, so. yeah. Is this something that you're uh, going to be promoting at your brewery? Um, well, this is really really meant for stuff that's on the store shelves. Mm-hmm. Um, so for us, it's not going to come into play probably for a little while. Okay. Um, cause we're not, we're not going to be uh, looking to, to do it, you know, that kind of sales right away. Okay. Um, but, uh, no, we would definitely be looking at, at this and we actually have it. There, there's no Ohio, the Ohio craft brewers association has a mark as well that you can put on, your packaging say, Hey, you're drinking Ohio beer. So. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So as we already kind of mentioned that another thing they, they spell out here is how can brewers adopt the seal? Well, the seal is available for use free of charge by any of the more than 5,300 small and independent American craft brewers that have a valid TTB brewers notice. Um, also, they meet the Brewers Association's craft beer definition, and they sign a license agreement. It is available to both member and non-member brewers, breweries of the uh, beer association. So, yeah, like you mentioned, anyone can use it um, as long as they fit the criteria. So they're still using the craft beer definition or craft brewer definition, but they're now assigning this uh, uh, seal to show your independent uh, craft brewer. All yeah, right. and, and you had mentioned the... Uh that they'll have to change their packaging. Mm-hmm. Um, those that don't know, uh, any packaging that goes out, you have to get label approval from the TTB that your label, you know, meets their specifications. Mm-hmm. And there are things you can and can't say um, in your descriptions and all that. Um, the the Brewers Association actually uh, reached an agreement with the TTB to say, hey, uh, we want to let people put this icon on there and uh, we don't want to have to have everybody resubmit for approval. Yeah. And the TTB said, okay. 
Oh, as long as that's all they're doing, we will let them put that on their label without having to resubmit. Okay. So um, that's amazing because it's going to one stop a logjam of um, label approvals from happening mm-hmm. uh, to allow people to say, well, it's going to take too long for me to get the label approved. I'm just going to continue on, you know, yeah. without it. So it's kind of removing a lot of those hurdles that um, would go along with that. So, and that was one of the first things I thought of when I saw this. And then I, I saw later that they had, they had reached that agreement. I was like, that's perfect. <laughs> it would be, you know, something that's going to stop people from, from using that. And that's not, you know, their goal with this. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. You know, another thing I just thought of is wouldn't it be awesome if they just had a, a sim, a symbol, a seal that would fit on a bottle cap. And now the brewers can just put a bottle cap, you know, uh, with a seal on it that says that people can easily look at the cap and say, Oh, this is a independent uh, brewery just by looking at the bottle cap. I, I mean, that might work too. Yeah, the only problem with that is you can't see a bottle cap unless you take something off the shelf. So you you know you could get the the seal on the side of your packaging so that they can see it when they're looking at the yeah at the shelf. That's true. But they'd have to pull it down and see it um, to actually do that. But um, yeah, who knows how, where this will go? I, I've seen pictures. Of, I mean, I think in the article maybe they have pictures of it on like growlers and other things. Yeah. You yeah. know, just screen printed on there. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, we'll see how people get creative with it, and maybe they will end up selling bottle caps and things like that. So. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, when will beer lovers see the seal in the marketplace? Uh, say in the coming weeks, months, and years, uh, beer levels lovers will see it on beer packaging at retailers and in brewery communications and marketing emails. So, I guess we could use it when we're talking to folks just to say, Hey, come on in and know that it's an independent brewery. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, I mean, do you think this is necessary, John? Um, necessary. I, I don't know. Um, but I guess in the, in the current environment that we're in with all the, the recent acquisitions and everything, I, I can see that at least for the folks that are on store shelves mm-hmm. that they, they see a continuing need to differentiate from, you know, the faux craft or whatever people want to call it yeah, now, yeah. you know, these other breweries that, you know, aren't truly independent and in craft based on the Brewers Association definition. I mean, you and I have had a longstanding, you know, position that as long as they make good beer and stuff, mm-hmm. like I want to drink, yeah. I'll drink it. Yeah. You know, if, if Budweiser tasted the way I wanted my beer to drink, I would buy it and drink it. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, so I, I can see people wanting something like this and I, I've already seen on, on Facebook, a whole bunch of breweries that I follow have been posting about it and updating their, um, you know, profile pictures and, and, and uh, page pictures to include the, the logo in there. Um, so folks are already using it. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it'll be a little bit longer to get it on the shelves just yeah. because of the, the lead times for getting new packaging material and everything like that. But, um, I mean, it's already making its way into the marketplace, yeah. um, yeah. just in terms of, uh, advertising and, and social media and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I, um, I, 
I don't see a necessarily a need for it, but I don't mind having it there for people who are are concerned about wanting to support just independent craft breweries. Uh, but I think there's a lot of people that just want to drink good beer, and if they like an Elysian or a Ten Barrel or you know whatever other you know Wicked Weed, and that's what they like, they're going to drink it anyway. And they may not necessarily be looking to make sure that, you know, that they don't really care if it's independent or not. They just want to drink good beer. And that's the, and that was the key to why I started drinking craft beer to begin with, is I just wanted good beer. And now it's kind of come to a whole uh, another type of uh, uh, world where now it's not about drinking good beer. It's about drinking, it's, 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 it's changed focus on drinking good quality beer and to where the beer comes from. And I don't know if I buy into that i still don't i mean i want to support local i want to support independent but i also just want to drink good beer and if it's good beer i'm going to drink it i'm sorry for the independent breweries that i'm uh you know that that are, are getting shafted but hey I, my thing is i all along from the beginning from 1990s when i you know started drinking craft beer it was because i wanted good beer and that's still same today Okay. Yeah, and that's I mean what we've talked about with you know with all the breweries like quality is going to be super important. Mm-hmm. You have to make good beer, or you know you're not going to last. So, yeah, yeah, for sure, for it, sure. It's just really what it comes down down to at the end of the day. So yeah. Okay. Well, hey, I don't want to go too much into that. We just want to give our listeners an idea of what's coming down the line. And if you are concerned about drinking independent beers, look for the label. It'll be there in the coming months. And I'll be curious to see you guys post stuff on it and, and uh, let us see what, how they're implementing these seals into their packaging. All right, John, uh, we've been talking for a while. It let's, uh, let's, let's, let's go ahead and end the show. Uh, because uh, it's getting a little bit long. But before we end the show, please go ahead and uh, lift a glass to some people you like to lift a glass to. Yeah, so I, I just want to lift my glass to a whole bunch of folks that support the campaign. We had a big push of uh, of our community at the end there, and I, I'm so grateful and very thankful for all, all of you guys. Um, so here's a... Here's the folks that uh, were in there since the last time last time we talked, and that uh, that's uh, my buddy Wes uh, Westcheck. He he uh, donated again. Um, our buddy Vic Joe, um, he he hopped in there. Uh, Kevin Argauer was back for more. Um, appreciate that. Uh, buddy Matt Laney um, yeah. was in there. Uh, Aaron Buffington hopped in. Chad Lamasa. Uh, David Makazuki, uh, Travis Balk, Jason Lacey, uh, and as I mentioned before, Mike Mahoney uh, actually got us to 15,000 and Yay. met our goal. Uh, so thank you, all of you. Uh, we're very appreciative, and uh, uh, we'll get you your stuff soon, I promise. Sweet, <laughs> sweet. So how about you, Denny? You need to raise your glass, too. Well, of course, uh, I want to raise my glass to all those you just laid re- raise your glass to because uh, we had some fantastic support from our listeners. Also, uh, my friend Nikki, she supported you. She, she uh, grabbed a, a pint glass from you uh, before you closed. Uh, oh, that's the, right. The yes. But, uh, Thank you. Yeah, so she's looking forward <laughs> to that. And, uh, but, yeah, I want to raise my glass to my buddy Alex and my, and my friend uh, Nikki 
for joining my wife and I on this road trip to the Portland Craft Beer Festival and made it the best road trip that I have ever been on, I think. We had so many laughs, so many fun times, so much beer drinking and good food and 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 I mean it just it was it was great. So I raised my glass to them for sure. And of course, I also want to raise my glass to all the military men and women out there who are protecting our free, freedoms. Uh, cheers to you. And of course, hop cloth. You know, we're, we gave away a hop cloth shirt uh, just in this episode. I want to raise a glass to hop cloth apparel for partnering up with us. And I encourage all of our listeners to go out and visit their site at www.hopcloth.com. Check out their creative craft beer clothing and other articles. They have some uh, beer glasses and some other uh, uh, stuff to to purchase there too. Check it out. And I just saw they're getting ready to release um, a new snifter glass that now I can't remember what it said on it, but it really intrigued me uh, that I want to pick up one of these snifter glasses. So keep an eye out on Facebook for their uh, their promotion for this new snifter glass. It looks pretty cool. And of course, make sure you tell them that Tap the Craft sent you. And you can find the beers and the links to the articles mentioned on the show in the show notes located on the show post at openforumradio.com. And if you would like to follow us on social media, I can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Untapped at Loose Screw. And John, how can our listeners follow you? On Twitter at Prime Brewing, Untapped, Prime WA. And uh, more importantly, and probably more entertainingly, uh, you can follow the brewery. Uh, Trek Brewing on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Trek Brewing. Or visit the website trekbeer.com. All right, yes, and I and uh, Kristen doesn't doesn't miss a Thursday update to give us all information on how everything's going on the brewery. I really appreciate all the uh, all the updates she does. It makes me happy to to see the progress. Yeah, I should have had her writing on my blog the whole time. And <laughs> consistent, sure, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You missed out. You missed out on that. All right. Well, hey, it is last call, and it's time to bring our show to a close. We want to thank you for downloading and listening to the show, and we ask you to please tell a friend, and, of course, subscribe on iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, Podbean, or however you listen to our show. And as a reminder, we release a new show every two weeks. Now go out there and spread the good word of craft beer. Cheers. And I think that is pretty fun to drink beer for breakfast. Yeah, you're, uh, oh, uh, excuse me. Uh, my firm runners are here. Uh, I have to go for a second. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. I'll just drink some beer. All right. No problem.